My name's Bernice, and I'm from ANCL with TLC. Um, in a short while, Pastor Susan will be coming to um, continue the series on um, A Time to Build. And I'm just going to read um, a short passage from Nehemiah before then. So I'm reading from Nehemiah, um, chapter 5, um, starting at verse, um, verses 1 to 19. And it starts, um, Nehemiah helps the poor. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we are the sons and daughters, we are... Our, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and to stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we've had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. And although we're the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry and their charges, I was very angry. I pondered on them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials and I told them, you're charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. And I said, as far as possible, we've brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you're selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued... What you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let, let us stop charging them interest. Give them back immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves and houses and also the interest you're charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new oil, and olive oil. We'll give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook the folds of my robe and said, in this way, may God shake out of their house and their possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did as they promised. Moreover, from the 20th year, of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to their governor in the land of Judah, until the, uh, the 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governor, governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people 
and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to the food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work, but we did not acquire any land. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, and as well as those who came from the surrounding nations. Each day, an ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me. And every 10 days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all of this, I never demanded the food allotted the governor because the demands were heavy on these people. Remember me with favour, my God, for all I have done to these people. Thank you. Thank you, Bernice. So in a deprived area of a big city, a group from a church was telling people, God loves you. And when they came across a young, disillusioned young man, he looked them right in the eyes and he said, I'm sick and tired of hearing people say and talk about love. I want to see love with skin on it. Skin on. I wonder where you've heard that phrase before. Maybe you've been to a restaurant and had skin on fries. Or maybe you've heard of something apparently that is a thing where you can get a skin on thing for your mobile phone where you just sort of tickle it and it looked weird when I looked it up online. Um, and it, does, it makes your phone do things like a human skin. A fourth-century bishop, St. Basil of Caesarea, said, Annunciations are frequent, but incarnations are rare. Now, what did he mean? Many people talk or announce about love, about their lives, about their achievements, but few people actually consistently are love in a human skin, if you like. Are love that does love in action. We in this room here, we're hungry for love. We're hungry for real love. Not religion, not just talk, but love that crosses the distance to reach us. A love that changes us. Love so real that it catches our breath and it turns us in a different direction. We all want love with skin on. We also have the capacity to be love with skin on to other people. But we'll start by looking at a man called Nehemiah, who we've just read about. At TLC, we're doing a teaching series at the moment called A Time to Build. Very appropriate, as we're celebrating today the building of a new Compassion Center. And thank you, you guys and everybody who's had a hand in any way in helping to build that center. Nehemiah was a Jew. He was in exile with fellow Jews in Persia back in the 5th century B.C., where he hears the news that the walls of his home city, Jerusalem, are broken down and that the gates are burned with fire. He's given the king's blessing and the king's finance, so very early days funding there. And um, he travels back to Jerusalem, he gathers some friends, and they begin to build the wall. And what's happening at the point of our reading today? 
Well, things are going nicely. Everything's focused. They're building well. And there's some fierce opposition. And we're going to go back and look at that next week in church all around TLC. And then Nehemiah hears something that makes him extremely angry. People are being treated badly. People are being treated unfairly. He hears about injustice, poverty, debt, unfair interest being demanded, powerlessness, oppression. All this goes against God's laws for the Jews. Way back in Exodus, God had said, if you lend money to one of my people who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. And it goes against God's character. God's character, as I read the other day in in just my regular Bible readings, is that he is full of compassion. Every part of God is full of compassion, love in action. Nehemiah might have been thinking, well, what's the point of building these secure walls around this city if what is going on inside the city is actually not right and is not good? It would be a bit like us building the compassion center for open hands and then demanding and extorting from people instead of giving to them freely. So today we'll see that Nehemiah was love with skin on and that in that he is a picture of Jesus who is love with skin on to us. And we'll ask the question today, will we be love with skin on? So Nehemiah was love with skin on it. Firstly, he was there. He'd traveled to go to Jerusalem. He'd left the comfort and security of a king's palace. He'd traveled months on a dangerous journey, and he was there to make a change. Secondly, he heard the cry. Because he was there, it says, I heard their outcry and these charges. Then he responds with his whole heart. He says, I was very angry. His emotions come into play. When we hear something that's not right, our emotions need to come into play. He considered what to do. This is a good reaction. If any of you here attempted to get angry and then do crazy things, it says he then considered what to do. One version says he talked with himself. That's a good thing to do, isn't it, sometimes? Talk to ourselves. He spoke out then. He spoke out to power. He wasn't afraid to accuse, it says, the nobles and the officials that what was happening was not right. He spoke to the crowd. It says, I called together a large meeting, and he spoke with a solution. He didn't just speak and say this isn't right. He came up with what should happen. He says, let us stop charging interest. Give them back immediately their fields and vineyards and so on, and the interest that you're charging. And he made a change. The people were convicted they were, they were convinced this is wrong. And they say, we will do as you say. And he started as well this change with himself. Because all change has to start right in here, doesn't it? It has to start in our own hearts. He broke some wrong patterns, some wrong practices that had happened for previous governors. He was a governor now. And he says, out of reverence to God, I didn't demand taxes. He says also, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor. He didn't see himself as entitled. He he broke this culture of entitlement for those in power. And he says, and then it says, God is praised. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and they praised the Lord. So God is always praised when wrong things are turned to being right things again. So why did Nehemiah act like this? Why didn't he just stay in comfort in the king's palace, ignore the cries of those in need? Why didn't he accept the privileges of position? Why didn't he just follow the mantra of today's society here in the UK. Well, you know, if it feels good, do it. If you don't want to, don't bother. 
look after number one. Why care? Why do anything? Well, he did, he did what he did because he served God and because he loved God. The God who hears the cry of the oppressed and the God who responds. And God's ultimate response is in Jesus. So secondly today, Jesus is love with skin on. That's what God's love is all about. Nehemiah there didn't just say, oh, never mind, guys. God loves you. All is well. He knew that love actually does something. We know that somebody loves us if they will do something for us. Do you know what sets Christianity apart from every other faith in the world is that our God is love and his love does. His love acts. His love came down. God didn't just say, I love you. He became love with skin on. We were like people in Nehemiah's day. We were dying. We're broken. We don't just need rules. We don't just need nice words. We need love that does. When our oldest son, Sam, was stuck in a boggy pond one day, um, and he wasn't even crying for help, he didn't look that distressed, but if we hadn't rescued him out of that pond, he may have drowned. He needed action. When David um, had a, an accident yesterday with our dishwasher, trying to disconnect it, hey. <laughs> and it began to flood all over the kitchen while I was out of the house, he needed to call our next-door neighbor very quickly for help to be rescued. We want a God who acts. We want a God who comes for us, who rescues us. And good news, listen to this, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners, it says in the Bible. Do you think you're too bad? Do you think you're too lost? Or too far? Or you've drifted for too long? Well, Jesus came for you and he came for me just as we are. It says in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God with skin on. One version says that this Jesus moved into our neighborhood. God who became a man so he could rescue us by dying in our place on a cross. There's a new song called Son of Suffering that David and I have been enjoying listening to. And some of the words say, oh, blood and tears. How can it be there's a God who weeps? There's a God who bleeds. So let's relate this back to what we said about Nehemiah. Like Nehemiah, Jesus came. He left heaven and came to earth for us. He said, the son of man, when he talked about himself, came to make us feel guilty, to condemn us. No, he came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus heard our cry. Jesus told a story about a lost sheep about a shepherd who left the 99 and went after the one that was crying in the dark. And we see the joy in that story as the shepherd brings the lost one home. Jesus is that shepherd. And Jesus responded with his whole heart. Jesus cares. He's real love in action. When do we see Jesus in the gospel showing emotion? We see him angry at religious people who are making it hard for people to find God. We see him in tears at the tomb of a friend who's died. We see him showing compassion as he touched lepers and he made them clean. We see him on the cross in despair as he's willingly cut off from his father's presence for you and for me. And Jesus spoke out. Jesus spoke truth. He spoke grace. And even now, he intercedes for us. Jesus made the change, the cross, 
the focal point, the center of our message and the center of human history where he repaired and restored what had been broken. And now all we need to do is to say yes to that free gift. And God is glorified every time a life is changed by Jesus. Age 14, I remember being in a meeting just a bit like this. I remember feeling, and I was sharing this with somebody at our newcomers on Friday, who said she'd had just the same experience. Feeling like I was somehow outside of this party. There was a great party going on, and somehow I was on the outside, and I didn't know how to get in. And longing for what my friends had, knowing I wanted this relationship with God that they were enjoying. And I didn't know how and what, where the door was. And then a few weeks later, finding myself in an old scruffy church hall on a quiet Sunday evening in Cambridge. And somebody explaining to me, well, here's God. He's perfect and holy. And here's you. And here's the wall of your sin in between God and you. And here's Jesus dying on a cross for you to bridge the gap between you and God. And all you need to do is to ask forgiveness and invite him to be your Lord, to be your saviour. And that night, I did that. And Dave and I were talking last night on our little walk around the golf course late at night with the dog and saying, we never knew that moment where we said yes to Jesus. We never knew what difference that would make in our lives, how our whole lives would change and change direction. And every single thing in our life would be different because of that. I wonder what's your story of meeting Jesus? Maybe your story is yet to be written. Maybe today will it be a part of your story. And our stories glorify God. So once we've met Jesus, we're never the same. To experience this love, the love that was skin on, the love that came down to us, to be filled with this love that overwhelms us and changes us from the inside out. Sometimes we think of God's love poured out like a little jug into polite little wine glasses. Something like that. Let's rather think of his love more like the sea on a rough day. I remember standing at, in Trebarwith Strand in Cornwall on a rough January day, very wild, and the wind and the waves just crashing over the cliffs and literally coming right up to the top of these massive cliffs. The riptide wildness of the ocean, that's something a bit more like what God's love is like. Or maybe I could get a pressure hose today like the firefighters use and just literally spray you all and you'd perhaps get a little glimpse of something like the never-ending, overwhelming, reckless love of God. Jesus' love that we can touch and feel and know. And this love should change us. And, or there's something wrong. It's not that we, don't, that we don't just feel nice. We do feel good when we know Jesus' love. But it's more than that because we then start to become like Jesus. We don't just proclaim, we become like him, love with skin on. So thirdly, will we be love with skin on? This is about heart and about action. Think back to Nehemiah again. Will we like him? Will we like Jesus? Will we go? When we follow Jesus, he always asks us to move in some way. To follow him, maybe to another country. Some of you will go from here to somewhere else. Some of you have come from other countries to be called to Leicester because Jesus has asked you to come here. Some of us may be called to go and live in the inner city or in a particular area 
or maybe simply take a long walk across a room or across a bus or to our neighbor's house to show love or to speak love. I wonder, is there a journey that Jesus is asking you to make? We just restarted our furniture program. Now we're in the new center. And Lawrence, the furniture manager, sent me this story from this week. This week, we received a furniture referral from Leicester City Council. The order was for an individual who had just got their first flat. Once we arrived, we realized that we knew them. They were someone who used to come to our old center early each morning where we'd have a brief conversation and talk about life. They lived out of a shed for two years and had fallen on hard times at the start of the pandemic, and now they had their first home. We were able to furnish their house just an hour after they got the keys, offered them prayer, and invited them to church. It was such a blessing to see someone moving forwards in their journey. Well, if you're that person and you have made it to church today, hello, come and say hello to us. If you donated furniture or you gave finance or you helped to build the center or provide the van or helped to lift stuff, thank you because that's what you did. That's being loved with skin on. So will we go? Will we hear? Michelle is a lady I've not yet met. She's part of ANCL with TLC. I've been told by many people how lovely she is. And she's watching online apparently right now. So hello, Michelle, <laughs> in Kenya. Um, currently, she's in Africa responding to a, from a call, to a call from Jesus to move there, at least for a while. And recently, we've been able to connect her with our friends and partners just on the edge of the Makuru slum in Kenya. And she's visited the projects, got to know them. And last Friday, I was in a Zoom prayer meeting with ANCL, with TLC people, and we prayed for her because she'd seen several quite upsetting things over a few days. A baby die, some homes bulldozed to the ground and people left homeless and those sort of realities of life out there. And we prayed for her, but we also prayed for ourselves that we would have our eyes and our ears open to the cries, maybe the less obvious cries around us. And I wonder, do we hear the cries of those around us in houses, at school gates, in supermarkets, on the street, the cries of the poor, the cries of the lonely, the cries of the marginalized, of the abused, of the ones with no voice. And thirdly, will we respond like Nehemiah did, like Jesus does, with our whole heart? Do we allow ourselves to feel, to let ourselves be moved? I have to admit that when I first started serving and um, working in open hands and serving in the sessions, I came at it with my own preconceived ideas and a conflict of emotions. Some people were easy to love, others not so easy. Why isn't that person a bit more grateful? That's the sort of thing. I was brought up to be very polite. Some people just didn't say thank you, and I found that hard. Why wasn't that one a bit more clean? And they, they were quite smelly to sit next to. Why doesn't that one change? Why don't I feel specially loving towards that person? Over time, being there changed me. I began to picture even the most naturally unloving, unlovable person when they were a little boy or a little girl, and I found that really helped me. I began to see them as a son or a daughter for whom God had good plans and who are made in his image, that somewhere under the surface is the person he intended them to be. I wonder, is there a way today even that Jesus wants us to respond? Also, will we consider, like Nehemiah considered, 
Love is sometimes very spontaneous, but to make long-term impact, love also considers carefully what to do to meet the need. One of the projects of Open Hands that was not very lastingly successful was one which I started a few years ago called Open Hearts. It was an attempt to reach out to women in street prostitution. And well before David and I came to Leicester, there were other teams from our church who also did similar things. Even though our project did end, I'm so grateful that God put a vision in the heart of two young ladies called Becky and Sarah from different city churches to start a new project. They considered the cost and the need and they built slowly, they built sustainably. And this year, Sapphires has just become a standalone charity. I'm proud to be a trustee of it. And Claire, who's, one, who's our central campus pastor along with James, is leader of the street outreach team. And it's sort of like things coming a full circle. I wonder, is there any area of being loved with skin on that the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you to consider? And will we speak out? Nehemiah spoke out to power. He spoke out to the crowd. He even spoke out into his own life. One of our mission partners is CSW, whose strapline is voice for the voiceless. Every time we dare to speak up, we give voice to someone who may not be able to speak for themselves. One of their ongoing campaigns is hashtag free Leah. Leah Sharabu was one of 110 girls abducted from their school in Dapchi, Nigeria by an extremist group in February 2018. The next month, the girls were put into trucks to go home, but Leah wasn't among them. She wasn't released because she's a Christian and she refused to convert in exchange for her freedom. She was 15 years old, she's now 18, and you can join the campaign on the CSW website and add your voice. Will we make a change? How can we judge the value of a life? In the end, we're all called to run our own race, and every day we're given opportunities, maybe in very ordinary ways, to be love with skin on in our own families, our workplaces, with neighbors, in church. Sometimes the big moments come along. We're not all Nehemiahs, but we're all called to make a difference. And if we live like this, like Nehemiah, like Jesus, our lives, through the lives that are changed, will glorify God. In 1967, Doug Nichols was serving as a young man with a missionary society in India. And he contracted TB, so he ended up in a sanatorium for several months. He didn't yet speak the language, but he tried to give Indian Christian literature to patients, doctors, and nurses. Everyone refused, some politely, some very rudely, and he felt that they didn't trust him. The first few nights, Doug woke around 2 a.m. coughing, and one night he noticed an old man in the ward who would sit up and try time and time again to stand. The man finally fell back into bed exhausted, and Doug heard him crying softly. The next morning, the stench in the ward was awful. Obviously, the old man had been trying to go to the bathroom and had soiled himself. The other patients yelled insults at him. Angry nurses moved him roughly from side to side as they cleaned up the mess. The next night, he heard the man again. This time, Doug got out of bed and went over. He put his arms under the man, picked him up. He felt very light. He was so weak. The missionary carried him to the toilet, a small, filthy room with a hole in the floor. He held him like a child while he relieved himself and carried him back to his bed. 
The old man kissed him on the cheek, smiled and said something he could not understand. The next morning, another patient handed Doug a cup of tea. He motioned with his hands that he would like one of the Christian leaflets that he'd been given out about Jesus. All through the day, patients, nurses and doctors asked for, leaf for leaflets. Many came to know Jesus for themselves. Can I say that Doug was not well? Doug didn't speak the language. Doug couldn't use clever words to persuade the people. But what he did do was become a toilet seat for a dying man. He was love with skin on. When I was typing this message out, I don't know who here loves predicted text, but I find nearly always when I write the word love, and the word love came a lot in this message, it would write the word live. And often I'll sign myself in a text, live Susan. But maybe that's not so bad, because isn't that how it should be? Because love is to be lived. So let's just pray. And then we're going to sing again. Firstly, there are people here looking in. And we want to say to you that if you want to know this Jesus or to know more, why not just take a moment as we sing a song in a minute to open your heart to him before we move on. Just come as you are. And secondly, I hope that every one of us can respond today and say, Lord, I want to be loved with skin on. Maybe you just want to say that in your own heart. I want to use this one life that you've given me to do what you want me to do. So show me the next step. So while we sing in a moment, why not use the space in the song to do some business with Jesus yourself? Thank you, Jesus.